0: Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of Women's Strength Collective, the podcast. I'm your host, Shay Zuru, and each episode we will be taking a deep dive together into a topic related to women's lifting health and life. Today's episode is actually a bit of a full circle moment for me. As you can tell from the title today, I'm talking to Megan Gallagher, or most commonly known online as Meg Squats. She was one of the original people I followed when I got into powerlifting in 2015 and someone I really looked up to and still look up to in terms of her online presence, her approach to lifting and how she dedicates a lot of her career to helping other people get into lifting too. Meg has been one of the only people I probably found at that time that I've been really invested in over the past few years and who I've kept up to date with since that time and obviously a lot has changed since those first YouTube videos and that's why I'm so excited that I got the opportunity to have a chat with her today. It's a really candid conversation about powerlifting, her identity crisis in 2018 and what led to it, her relationship with her partner and her incredibly popular message of Be More. I definitely feel like this conversation gives you a really good glimpse into Megan as a person, not just as an online figure. And I think it really plays into what we speak about um, and the expectations of what we have of others based upon what they put online and their online persona. But she is so honest and open in this conversation and I appreciate her and her work even more so now. If you want to watch her YouTube or head directly to her Instagram, both of those are linked in the show notes. However, I have a very strong feeling that a large chunk of you guys will already be following her, but I hope you guys all really enjoy this conversation and hopefully it helps you reflect too on how we interact with our favorite public figures online. So without further ado, welcome Megan Gallagher. All right. Welcome Meg to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on. Yeah, I'm super excited to talk to you. I, I, I do not expect you to remember this at all, but when I competed in Colleen, I actually saw you there and I was like, holy fucking shit, that's Meg Squats. <laughs> no, and I, I totally remember. To <laughs> yeah, I remember going up to you and you were just recording and you did an awesome video of Worlds that year. But for, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people who are listening do know you, but for those who don't, if you just want to give a bit of information about who you are and maybe what got you into lifting as well. Sure. My name's Meg
1: Gallagher. Um, on the internet, people know me as Meg Squats. And I started documenting my own personal strength journey when I first started lifting and first started competing in powerlifting on YouTube and Instagram. And At the time, not too many women were sharing their journeys in powerlifting on YouTube and doing it in a very sherry way. (laughs) So yeah, I feel like that was my place to help uh, and put some more videos out there kind of as a response to a lot of women who were more so doing bodybuilding training and sharing their journeys as like fitness vloggers there. Um, So yeah, I just talk about strength on my channel. Since then, I've became a coach myself, so I get to help a lot of people from their like first squat and like from their very first times in the gym to all the way to competing in powerlifting. So yeah, we help all kinds of lifters, and the goal is to just get more people interested in strength.
0: Yeah, and what you actually started in bodybuilding, didn't you? Before you transitioned into powerlifting?
1: Yeah, before I started powerlifting, I competed in the bikini division um, for a, who cares about the federation really, but like, yeah.
0: Or something like that? Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs>
1: um, you can see how far removed I am from that world now, but yeah, I competed in bikini, just one time competitor for that. Wasn't my favorite thing I ever did, but it definitely brought up some challenges for me that I think ended up helping develop really what I wanted my voice to be in sharing my strength journey. So I think that was great. And yeah, I, before that I did everything. I did CrossFit. I'd competed in some strongman competitions for fun. I really tried everything. I did weightlifting as well. Um, So there's a good period there before I even found powerlifting where I was just trying to dabble in everything and do what I could.
0: Yeah. And when you were doing bodybuilding, I didn't actually know this until recently because I watched your Q&A on your channel. I didn't actually realize that you had struggled with binge eating when you were doing bodybuilding.
1: Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. It's actually, I've been talking about that more and more because I've been watching Stephanie Buttermore and her very fascinating and very detailed experience with her all-in journey. And um, it's so cool to look back on her videos and how she reflects on her journey and understand a couple of different things. Um, in watching her videos, it's like that cool feeling of being free from like being a slave to that binge eating and being just feeling like you're a slave to food in general. It's been cool to see her like feel so free at the end of her journey and that's exactly what I went through I unknowingly I would like to say I went all in without knowing that that was a thing and without having the guidance of science that Stephanie so nicely does so yeah it was very much so the bastardized version of what she did um I decided to just let go of control for me it was just called like I just let go of all control that I had over um my food choices. And I just tried to just let go. That's what I told myself every day. And yeah, that was a huge struggle. And that's why now when people come to me and it, it seems like maybe they're on that track or they have questions about struggling about something. I always say, go talk to a therapist Mm -hmm. because I felt like going through that on my own, I'd wasted so much time and it's time where you could be spent, spent being free. There's like so much freedom on the other side of that. So I always suggest people to get professional help and look at resources like MEDA, the National Eating Disorder Association. And, um, you know, there's people that can help you and are trained to help you. Um, So it's been cool to see how Stephanie has gone through that journey, um, maybe in a slightly different, maybe her reasons weren't exactly the same, or I don't think maybe she wasn't necessarily she was more so doing it to stop her extreme hunger. Mm. But it's been cool to see that and kind of compare it to what I went through and realize that getting help is um, what we should suggest
0: everyone does. Instead of trying to battle it on your own, it's just not worth it. Definitely. I watched Stephanie's video, but I feel like we have such a similar experience because I struggled with it through my bodybuilding prep too. And similar to you, I went through it all myself after and did a similar experience in terms of, doing the all in without knowing it, putting on obviously a bit of weight to kind of get my body up to that level again. But it was obviously awesome to see Stephanie go through it and have it so documented because that was the last thing I wanted to do when I was going through Mm -hmm. that time period. And I can just, when I was watching that video and you can even see like the struggle sometimes when she was saying, I did not want to post this or I just wanted to get off the internet for a year before Jeff said for her to document it. Do you feel like when you went through that process without knowing it, did you have a strong online presence then? And did you find it hard to be public?
1: At the time
0: when I started gaining weight, no, not really.
1: I definitely felt like I had a strong online presence because even though maybe not many people were watching, I was still very much invested in the story of my journey, regardless of how many people were watching. That was just always what I wanted to do. So. I definitely didn't experience criticism from the internet as I would have even now. If I like lose three pounds and someone notices, like it's a conversation. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. so I can only imagine being her, or you know, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to go through that with the following that I have now. So for me at that time, I was very lucky that I hadn't really discovered powerlifting. I hadn't really. Gone through a linear progression. <laughs> so the conversation could easily shift in my favor to where it's like, well, I'm the strong girl now. It doesn't matter what I look like, um, which is true. And that's how I felt. And that's how I still feel. So yeah, I feel like truly saved by strength, in that even maybe not too many people were um, listening to whatever conversations I was throwing out there. I was very lucky that I had control of the narrative that now I was focusing on strength. And that's all I really cared about.
0: Yeah. And when you finished that bodybuilding season, did you then get straight into powerlifting or was there a bit of a gap there?
1: There was for sure a bit of a gap because before bodybuilding, I was really in love with CrossFit and I, that was where all of my friends were. That's where my community was. But unfortunately, when I gained weight, I no longer felt comfortable doing a lot of the CrossFit movements because they were explosive. There's a lot of reps. There's a lot of jumping and I didn't, I wasn't comfortable enough in my body just, and physically it didn't feel good for my body anymore to be doing some of those things. So I started doing, I continued a lot of the bodybuilding training that I was doing. And while I was in sort of a different section of the gym, I was around more power lifters and watching them wear singlets on like Saturdays and like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, I learned more about that world and there's a little bit of time, but it was a natural progression of realizing that maybe CrossFit wasn't what I wanted to go back to and being exposed to people who were still lifting and having fun and getting strong, but they were mostly in the squat rack for like three hours at a time. (laughs) So I was curious into what they were doing. And luckily I had a good community around me that they could then teach me and, you know, show me another, another door, another path that I could take.
0: Yeah. And when was your first competition in palleting? I want to say it was December
1: of 2014. Is that right? What year is it? Yeah, it must've been 2014. Like the end of um, the end of the year in 2014, there was the American open in Washington, DC. So that was cool. Cause it was a bit bigger of a meet too. Mm-hmm. But it was in my hometown. I walked to the meet and yeah, it was awesome. It, all my friends did it and a lot of friends did a competition for the first time. Ryan and I had just started dating,
0: like just started dating and he handled me for the meet. I was about so, to ask, did you have a coach at the time or was kind of Ryan handling you? And Yeah, I, I think I was
1: writing my own program even then and not that I really knew what I was doing, but I was following like the GZCL method. Do you know? The yes, yeah. Method? Cody Lefever. He's an awesome guy. Um, and he puts a lot of good stuff out on YouTube if you're in the any part of your lifting journey. But I think I wrote like, used his GZCL structure to write my own program. I'm pretty sure. Or I followed some free online peaking protocol. And yeah, but Ryan handled me he's really smart and has a great memory. So he's kind of like, you have like the rule book in the back of his head and you can just kind of use him to lean on. So that's great. And yeah, that was like the, the true beginning of my strength journey, even though I'd been lifting and in the gym for a while.
0: I think I remember seeing your YouTube videos. Did you have, were you trying to get, was it a 300 pound squat? Mm-hmm. And oh my God. So every every- <laughs> was it every nearly every session you'd go in and try to squat 300 pounds so
1: yes
0: (laughs) um okay so i have a
1: friend who is is was at the same gym that i went to he's i can't call him internet famous but he's like reddit powerlifting notorious um so think about that like dark corner of the internet and he has a PDF somewhere on the internet and it's called PR Every Day. So you too can run this program. Um, really it's just for lifters who are, I would, not sure I would recommend it now, knowing what I know now, but it's it was great for someone who had run a very high volume, high intensity program like Smolov for squats. I ran Smolov only for squats. And, um, I think I just did one cycle of small lot, to be honest. And mind you, I'd been lifting for maybe a year and a half. So, um, in bodybuilding or CrossFit, maybe even I was at two years lifting, but I'd never really run a focused progression. Even if I was lifting in CrossFit and squatting regularly, I wasn't, you know, if you miss one CrossFit class a week, then you might miss your squat session. And then, you know, you're not really running a progression then. So I had run finally like my first real program with Smolov and then I ran his program called PR Every Day. And basically the idea is that you run a very high volume block of training. Let's say I did like six weeks of Smolov or something and then you PR every day. (laughs) So I think just having some background in lifting, but never truly exhausting a linear progression made it so that I could go in one day and hit a 10 rep max after this big small off block and then the next day I could hit a two rep max um so you only go in you warm up for your max set and then you leave sounds crazy right (laughs) um it did work and I ended up getting a 300 pound squat at the end of it but I wish I would have um I wish I would have exhausted a linear progression, period. You know what I mean? Like, I wish I would have um, maybe done that high volume, small off block, but then just ran a five by five, like a simple linear progression um, and run it a little bit more slowly. But Road to 300 was probably my first big YouTube video. And probably the, not that I can accredit my career to it or anything, but it did garner a lot of attention on the internet, which I guess, um, if you look at where I am now, helped in the grand scheme of things, but I wouldn't have any of my lifters doing the PR everyday program, unfortunately. Maybe, but most likely not. Do you ever go back and watch those videos? No, dude, I hate them. Every, <laughs> time, um, every time, back in the day, this just happened we would have people over and Ryan would put on the big screen like an old, old video like that one. (laughs) And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, this is so embarrassing. Um, He doesn't do that anymore. Thank God. But
0: yeah, without fail,
1: road to 300. It could be
0: like a beautiful thing, right? You get to see your, your whole growth has been documented since if you did start, when did you start YouTubing? Was it around like 2013, 2014? I think it, it was around
1: the time I started competing. I think I, did I document the first um, powerlifting meet? Maybe a little bit, but definitely I was more. No, I think after that first meet, then I started documenting a little bit more closely and doing like meet preps and sharing what I was going through, sharing my programming and training sessions and what have you. So, yeah, it is cool, but I'll be honest, it's so cringy like <laughs> half the time. And it's there, and I think it's there. Um, I want to keep it there for a reason. But, you know, I'm always looking forward. I'm not kind of like, I'm always looking forward. I don't want to pat myself on the back too hard for anything. And I don't want to cringe (laughs) that much. So I'm glad they're there.
0: Would put them up on the big screen. It's the worst. It's such a boyfriend move. (laughs) Yep. Have you had any issues? So Ryan coached you to nationals last time, right?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: How was that coaching relationship? Well, we get along
1: very well, which is key to any good relationship, I think, hopefully. I also trust him, and he listens to me. Sometimes um, there's good and bad. Mostly 90% of it is good. The part that's bad is that I would say he might baby me a little bit more than another coach would, Um, but he's also there in the gym with me every day in the way that a lot of coaches aren't. So he gets to see my recovery right in front of him. And if I'm recovered and if I'm dead, he knows. He also understands work and other stressors and life stressors that are going on. So yeah, in ways it's good. In other ways, if powerlifting, maybe you do want someone who's not going to let you get out of certain work not that I myself try to get out of a certain work, but it's definitely happened before where I'm like dying <laughs> and, you know, you're dying and either you don't do the workout or you do maybe you have a coach that will adjust things around for you, which is definitely the role that he would play and come meet me with understanding. Um, maybe some coaches won't and, you know, you kind of have to live with that or disappoint them. Um, so yeah, there's good and bad, but I think you really have to get along, and you really have to trust your coach, and respect them. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely relationships that I've had in the past that I just didn't respect the person that I was with, <laughs> and vice versa. They didn't, we didn't respect each other. So yeah, I think you know, it takes a, it doesn't take a very spectacular relationship to successfully coach one another, um, but it takes. Respect and honesty and trust mostly. So luckily I have that. So that's good.
0: Yeah, I've had my partner coach me And at the beginning it didn't really work very well I was trying to I think because I coach people as well If he made a decision I perhaps wouldn't have made I would challenge him on it Mm -hmm. And it took maybe like a year of really like maturing and learning more about programming and coaching in general but I do think that's like a major Pro is when you have, say, someone, your partner coach you, they do truly understand, like, life stresses. They see mm-hmm. you every day. And so I think that is an actual, like, big tick because I have been with other coaches who they don't understand how much I work and when I say I can't train six days a week, it's as if I'm disappointing them. Mm-hmm. When we talk about, like, 2018 nationals, you took some time off after and You came out with a video, I think it was maybe like a month later and you went through a bit of an identity crisis. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I watched that video again when I was, because I wanted to, I remember it so clearly, but I wanted to watch it again just to see if I picked up on anything else that I wanted to chat with you about. When I watched it, there was like a moment that felt like, I guess, kind of heartbreaking, like watching you be so upset and saying, like, it was so hard to draw the line between Meg Squats and then Megan Gallagher. So, Mm -hmm. do you want to talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, I think I'm enough removed from that situation to kind of definitely see it through a different lens, but also I haven't competed since then. Mm. So, I think there's a couple of like struggles. In that one, is you know, starting on YouTube. I started at one point where I was very excited about powerlifting, and back then I would say my mission was based around the sport of powerlifting. Um, I think at the end of 2018, there was definitely a shift in what I was interested in doing and who I was interested in helping, where it's like now a lot of my content is targeted towards the average lifter, like whether that be a novice or intermediate or even an advanced lifter, but they might not be a power lifter. You speak to that person in a different kind of language. They have different values, they have different interests. And some, you know, it's just a completely different, I guess, target audience. And that started shifting. And yeah, there's like a uh, definitely now when I'm criticized, I don't know. I don't even want to say I've like solved it because I still struggle through the same things. Like I have to realize sometimes when people are criticizing me online, it's not the real me. There's a lot of me in it, but you know, I can't take that personally. It's just people talking to Meg Squats and like, if Meg Squats is wrong about something, then that's fine. (laughs) I don't know. I'm talking in circles now, but it's something I still struggle with. And, like, just last week, I mean, I think it's been a sensitive time on the internet for everyone. And um, the world is fucking on fire, and my country is at each other's throats. And who knows? Like, I don't know. Everything—it's a weird, important, but sensitive time right now. And I think everyone's kind of, like, emotions are heightened, mine included— um so yeah sometimes people will talk shit to me and about me and it crushes my soul. It's only certain things though. Like someone could talk about my body, it doesn't really bother me anymore. People talk about my body all the time, who cares? But yeah, sometimes it's just hard and it's like I spend so much time of my life online and I put so much energy into it and it's like for me I wake up and it truly is the most important thing sometimes. Mm because it's sort of what runs the business and dude, it's tough. It's like, I got to open this app every day. And then I know people on it hate me. And sometimes people just look at what I'm making and they pick it apart for what reason. I don't know, but they do it, you know? So yeah, it's something I still struggle with, but I definitely am better about it now. But I say, I've said this since I started, I go through waves of like, I really, really care about it. And then the bottom of that wave is like, I couldn't care less what someone else has to say. So it's just
0: like constant wave of like sensitivities. And yeah, I don't know. I think it's always hard. Like we always say, you know, When someone has something that is critical to say and whether they know you or they don't know you, I think it's obviously more important when it comes from someone like a friend or if it came from, say, Ryan or my partner, for example, then I would take that super seriously. But it is sometimes even hard when someone has something to say online that is negative not to respond so I guess like out of ego and forget Mm -hmm. about all the other people who do support you and do agree with your message and but it's hard to remember in times like that
1: oh for sure and I have to bring it back like I don't like to complain about things like that because everyone goes to their job and there's going to be some asshole who's going to be critical whether it be their boss or a team member like everyone deals with things like this so my situation is not unique at all. And I have to bring myself back to that, like everyone deals with assholes. (laughs) It's nothing new, like it's nothing new to me either. And my other jobs before this, I dealt with, you know, people who just, for whatever reason, have tried to make you feel like shit. Maybe they don't try, but they do make you feel like shit. So yeah, I try to bring myself back to the fact that it's a common problem that I'm, that's not unique to me or my position. And yeah, I mean, I have no advice for (laughs) how to get through it because it's something I still struggle with and think about and, you know, but I think like there's a reason that that powerlifting competition was my last because I really struggled feeling like, oh, I'm in this room full of people, but I'm very aware that like 5% of them fucking hate my guts. And just because I see them on the internet and I know that they're, I know that They're like actively talking about me in forms, and that's fine, whatever. But it's just like, I don't need to subject myself to going there and being in the same room as all those people. So I just don't anymore. And I mean, that's not the only reason I don't compete in powerlifting, but that's definitely a factor where it's like, well, this isn't really, it's no longer in line with my core mission, even though it's something that I really like to do.
0: I just don't need to be around all the people. And like, yeah, I don't. Do you think those people played into that identity crisis? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Because it's I 100% identify
1: and like define myself as a powerlifter. But then you know I see other power lifters maybe just giving me criticisms, which is fair and they should, to a certain extent. But also um, there, I'm coaching like seven thousand people in my group, like almost eight thousand lifters. So, of course, like how I address my lifters, who are a lot of novices, people who've never squatted before, people who don't even understand how to hip hinge. Not That's all of them, but some of them are in there. I definitely have to adjust the way I speak to the average lifter. And over time, a lot of my videos were more so about strength and um, strength in regards to powerlifting and getting ready for meets. Um, I've found more interest and more satisfaction in helping people get their hands on a barbell. So like getting your hands on the barbell, that first step is like where I want to lead people to and help them throughout that beginning journey. I'm, I'm not really interested in some of the more advanced conversations. Um, I can have them cause I still coach power lifters, but yeah, just like the way I post certain Instagram posts or technique tips, it's going to be for a different audience and yeah, sometimes just the criticism of that and like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but, but it's just like, I don't need to be around in a room of people who don't get me. And it's like, if you don't get it, that's your fucking problem. That's how, how I feel. But yeah, it's just like, I don't know. I, I've always had um like the, in the U S the start of powerlifting was very Kentucky white redneck. That's the start of the sport, whether you love it or hate it that's like in America, you could only really power lift just like 20 years ago in a certain area of the US. And that's where it was popular. I mean, SPF is a huge federation. It's the Southern Powerlifting Federation. So like when I started making stuff on the internet, people didn't understand why I was sharing a meat recap on video and at the bar at the meat hotel, talking about my meat recap. And so it's like, you don't get it. That's fine. But the culture of the sport has changed so much in the past 10 years even, that the sport's gonna change and what the sport looks like has changed so much in the past 10 years, which is great. But yeah, there's always gonna be the people who don't want it to change, don't get it, they don't like, oh, this girl's on YouTube and she's got all these followers, but she's saying this and this and I don't agree with that. I don't, that's fine. (laughs) But yeah, I think there's just like some resistance to it and I just get tired of it because I don't know. It's not important for me to fight anymore.
0: Yeah. I had a situation last week and I got a bit upset about it. And my partner was like, why are you getting so upset about people who only want to misunderstand you? Like, they're not here to have a conversation with you. They're not here to meet you halfway. They just, they don't want to understand you. So why are you getting upset about it? And I was like, I know, I don't know, but... Like There's always just that piece of you that's like, but why don't they understand me? Why don't they want to meet me halfway kind of thing?
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. I I feel that way. I hate this about myself. I'm always like, no, but I need you to like me. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm going to convince you that you should like me. And I hate that. I wish I could just, I'm reading a book now called The Courage to be Disliked. I don't have a book review because I'm not sure if it's giving me what I want out of it mm-hmm. but like that's I would say a huge character flaw in myself to where I wish I could just be like whatever who okay. cares <laughs> you know like but I do I care too much and I don't like that so yeah that the identity crisis factor of it is being pulled in too many different ways but I also have to realize in the same way that a lot of people kind of put on their work mask or like they put on their professional persona, you know, and you're kind of a different person at home. Mm. That's sort of what I'm dealing with and like finding a happy medium where when people criticize me online, they're not, they don't actually know me. They don't actually like know my intentions. They don't know what I'm like outside of Instagram. So I do have to find a balance of like, ah, just because this person's criticizing me at work, doesn't mean I'm a bad person, doesn't mean I'm an idiot, even though it feels that way.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it'd just be obviously hard to draw that boundary because you spent, I'm sure you spend a lot of your time being Meg Squats and then having to, I guess, like almost like make the switch between going back to that non-work, Megan.
1: Yeah, it's and it's hard when um all of your life is on the internet mm-hmm. or at least most of it it is hard to, um, you don't have a line then between like who your persona on the internet is and like, what, what else do you do? Like there's, there's very few things that I actually do in my life that I'm not sharing on Instagram for one reason or the other. And so you can see, I'm still like freaking toeing the line. I'm on the verge of another identity crisis, you know, cause it's not like I've figured it out by any means. So yeah, it's all about just trying to set your value system and still struggling with it, but trying to realize that I do exist and my life is important outside of that fake world. That is just my phone really.
0: Hmm. Yeah. When you were going through that prep for nationals in 2018, you kind of, you came out after with the video. Was it hard in that lead up to then be posting, say, like training videos and trying to, I guess, be positive? No,
1: because the performance side of it and the athletic pursuit is, was not what I was dealing with. I felt like it had a pretty good meet, but at the time there were personal issues and feeling like, oh my God, I'm in this room full of people and everyone hates my guts. That's what I was feeling like. The entire time. Plus, like after the meet, I went and drank my face off, you know, as we do sometimes, you know, so I just wasn't the performance side of it was separate. Even I feel like there's a little bit of pressure for me to perform, you know, it was like that was easy for me to talk about because it's like the numbers are there. Killed it eight for nine, whatever, that part's over. So, yeah, that wasn't that wasn't hard at all, but. Yeah, it was a lot of personal things, and then trying to find the line of like, who am I in this mix? And like, am I walking around this building of like almost a thousand lifters? Does everyone know who I am? Like, if they know who I am, do they hate me? Mm -hmm. You know, in a way, it feels like good, like, oh wow, I'm getting to meet people who like watch my stuff and watch my channel. I don't know. Then you see someone who you know is like in the Reddit form, like, she sucks a little worse, you know? So it's just like, I felt like there was, and that's also a lot of this I realized is like me in my own head, but I was just, it was just weeks of dealing with an identity crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was just really tough for me, but the performance side of it was a breeze to talk about compared to everything else.
0: Yeah, I remember you having a pretty good mate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah it is, I think it is. Okay. Yeah, I think obviously. It's so hard in situations like that. I went through a situation with like one of my former business partners and like this is the first I'm ever going to speak about it on this podcast and it's probably going to be the last as well because I don't want to address it again. But I had the exact same feeling after that ended and it ended quite badly. I literally hermited myself for an entire year. I didn't go to any meets. And this is after traveling meet for meat for meat after year, like in one year because I didn't want to walk into a room and feel like everyone had this story about me, whether part of it was true, whether or it was not, it's just such an uncomfortable feeling, yep, that's exactly how I felt exactly. <laughs> um so
1: yeah, I can understand why you just didn't go anywhere, and people invite me to go to things all the time, but it's hard to say, luckily, COVID saves me, I don't have to go anywhere right now, but it is hard to say yes to those. Yeah, just because I don't know. I don't know
0: what it's going to be like there, you know? Yeah. Um, Do you find it hard friendship wise in terms of if people know you as Meg Squats and they want to be your friend? Do you feel like sometimes people might have this motive behind it? Well, that's a weird question because a lot of the friends that I've made are
1: because i had a motive to get really strong lifters on my channel so like kevin oak chad wesley smith you know i've had so many super strong people um and i wanted to talk to them and train with them and feature them on my channel and talk about lifting so i don't know um maybe i did that so early in my career that I sort of made a name for myself. And it was easy to continue to have conversations with really strong and really interesting people who had things to say. Um, but now I, I don't really, because I I value friendship over, like, the, the friendship part is just as important as a strength. So I value the connection over most things. And I love when people come and talk to me about lifting. Um, and if they... I mean, I had to stop myself a couple years ago because I kept giving people my phone number. <laughs> like my phone number, I would meet people at the gym and I'd be like, well, do you wanna come out to the bar with us after? Like, we're just gonna grab some food. Um, Just here's my number and call me. You know, I had to stop doing that after I had like 60,000 followers on YouTube um, because you can't just give your phone number to everyone. Um, And like, you just met this person, you probably shouldn't. <laughs> so. You know, I don't I don't think I think of it that way, but I have been fortunate that very early like I met a lot of interesting people. Um and most of them are women too. I mean, I know I mentioned like Chad and Kevin, but those were just some of the earlier collabs that I'd done. Um, so no, I don't I don't think I look at it that way, but the people that I'm worried about are the people who don't even are too afraid to talk to me in person. <laughs> so, which is so stupid. How ironic is that? So yeah, it's answer answer question. No, not really. But, you know, all of us, we're all just like strength nerds, right? So it's kind of, if you want to hang out with me, I would love to, but.
0: Yeah, you've obviously interviewed some, like a lot and a lot and a lot of strong people. Do you have any highlights? Like, can you think of one situation where you're like, wow, that was a big moment for me? I mean, there are many.
1: Well, I almost killed Kevin Oak um, one time because I spotted him and he was going for like a two rep max PR. I forget how much weight it is. You can see it's on video. And I was the only one spotting him whose idea was this, um, but he almost died. But he was probably one of the first super, super strong people that I got to interview and lift with and have a full session with in New York. And that I've always been thankful for because he's such a sweet guy and he's, I don't know, he's kind of quiet too. Um, so it's, it was an interesting thing to look at someone on the internet and then meet them in person and hear them speak. And you're like, well, you're so different than what you would expect. Not everyone is like insane, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's probably one of the first big ones that I really enjoyed. Gracie Vanoss, like me and her videos, they do so well. Mm-hmm. And she, was, she opened up about steroid use, which I think was really interesting. And I feel like there's not too many, still to this day, there's not too many women who are openly discussing. at all. Um, So I found that to be interesting. And I think there I understood having candid conversations, having conversations that directly impact women's health are really important. Um, So I'd say those two are really interesting. And the opposite of Kevin Oak, um, where you have a quiet, calm, collected person, Kevin Oak, and then Gracie is just absolutely insane and to train with her and like be in a really cool training center was interesting. And obviously she's a character. Um, so yeah, I'd say those are two that stick out in my mind for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, regardless of what you think about, like, I mean, Gracie's got a big online presence too. Sometimes says some things that are a bit controversial, but I mean, regardless of what you think about, (laughs) regardless of what you think about that stuff, it definitely was. I think it's literally one of the only videos that I've seen. I, can't, I used to follow this one girl. I can't remember what her name was called and she was open about it. But apart from that, it's, that's the only video I've ever seen of mm-hmm. a female being open about steroid use, which I think yes. is so important because it, if people want to do it, then they can obviously do it. But it's a shame that there isn't more information out there that help people be informed about that decision and how to go about it.
1: Yeah, I almost want to revisit the video and maybe have conversations with other people that maybe aren't uh, directly. uh, The problem there is that you can't talk about it because it's illegal um, in most places. I don't know where it's not, but, you know, it's, there are many reasons why you don't hear those conversations. And yeah, it'd be interesting to revisit that topic and maybe protect the identity of someone else who... Could maybe give more insight. I think that would be really interesting because, you know, that's just one person's perspective. And, you know, she even says that she made mistakes that resulted in changes that she did not want her body to necessarily go through, her voice change being one of them. Yeah, um, that video still gets so many views too, and people are still interested in talking about it. So it'd be interesting to revisit that topic. Um, But I think, yeah, like I said, having those conversations is what interested me in talking to so many people and unfortunately because I've been dealing with my own shit also going through a move and you know trying to like plan my family and plan my own life and get my shit together and also keep my business alive and my clients happy and taken care of it's been hard to do many of those collabs anymore so yeah hopefully when the world is open again, I can do more of that. And part of the big reason for us moving where we are and opening a private gym space is so that we can have people come and train and have more of those conversations. So hopefully yeah. in the next couple of years, I'll be able to do that more often.
0: You've had a lot of big changes lately. One being obviously your move, but are you enjoying being closer to your family? Because I know that was one of the reasons that you wanted to move back to Texas.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that's the biggest reason. My dad lives here. My, my parents had, um, this always sounds weird. I have an eight-year-old brother and then 11-year-old sister. I'm 32 almost. Um, my parents had me and my older brother when they were super young. So that's how that works out. So we have a really blended family. Um, but all of my siblings soon will be here. Um, I have another brother in California. Um, but I have three siblings here and my other brother my last sibling will be moving here soon so yeah family has been really important to me lately in other parts of my life times in my life that just was not the most important thing I think maybe a part of getting older um so yeah it's been cool I've been training with my little brother and teaching him how to lift my eight-year-old brother and he's crushing it the other day of him deadlifting like it (laughs) dude it's so hard when you got a tee. Um, Teaching an adult how to hip hinge is difficult if they don't know how. Some people just don't know how. I feel like a lot of us who come from different sports intuitively understand certain movements. But that one is not intuitive for kids at all. Um, So, yeah, it's been cool, but he's got it down pat now. So, yeah, he's learned. Step one is the hip hinge. (laughs) So, yeah, he's doing well.
0: Do you feel like your relationship has changed – with your family as you have gotten older and I guess have started thinking about starting your own family? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, I spent so
1: much of my life very focused on my career. I think all of my family was very, I grew up in a place called, in Ohio. I grew up in Akron, Ohio. This is where LeBron James is from. Um, If you're from that area, inner city, Akron, Ohio, maybe isn't the best place to grow up. Um, although Meg Squats and LeBron James are from there so what does that tell you so anyway um, everyone was very encouraging to leave my hometown um, throughout my entire life my dad when I grew up didn't live in Ohio he lived in New York City so I also had that influence of showing me New York City one of the like biggest cities in the world. I saw a lot of opportunity there. So I always knew I wanted to leave where my family was and do my own thing. And so I feel like I I did that. And I lived in many different big cities. And I had a lot of interesting experiences. But I'm interested in having starting a family of my own. And yeah, just kind of chilling out a little bit, not completely chilling out, because I'm still really career driven. And my business really makes me happy and have a lot of fun helping people lift. But yeah, my relationship with my family has gotten a lot closer since I've been here. And it just was the move that made sense. And I think I never would if you had told me a couple years ago that I would move here, I would have been like, what? You're insane. I thought for sure I would live in LA or like Vancouver or DC. And that's where I would settle down. But it just made sense to be. You here. have lived
0: in a lot of different places, though. Hey, because I remember following you when you were in New York, and then obviously the move to LA, and then yeah, you guys were in Canada for a little while there.
1: I always wanted to do that.
0: I always wanted to do what I did, so I
1: did it. <laughs> so I feel like you know, and and now we even talk about like, oh, if we can keep our businesses running, and still be able to work for ourselves, like how cool would it be to be able to take our kids one day and spend a summer in a city that you know, where we're speaking a different language or, you know, stuff like that. That's like really my dream to be able to do things like that. And I love, I love big cities. I love the food. I love the culture. I love being around all kinds of different people, um, which you don't really get here in Texas. Um, To an extent, you get some culture. But yeah, I feel like I kind of accomplished what I wanted out of my
0: 20s. I did it. Yay. Next chapter. (laughs) I just want to speak a little bit about your relationship with Ryan being in the public eye when you met him did you feel like from the outset like he understood you as a person and was that really important to you yeah I
1: think he's um if he is one thing he is understanding and supportive which I think I Need that in a lot of ways. I mean, I'm going through freaking identity crisis every few years, so obviously I need someone to be able to deal with that and also bring perspective to disagreements. Because a lot of times we do, we get criticized or people bring up other ways of thinking, and you know, it's good that he can always like bring a different perspective while still being respectful and honoring how I feel. So, yeah, I mean, our relationship is probably one of the best things in my life for sure. And that's like all to do with him, to be honest. Like I play a very small role in making that work just because I feel like I can often be the difficult one. So I'm thankful that he's there to ground me. We don't share much about our relationship, to be honest, on the Internet, which I kind of like because... You know, people know who Ryan is, but I think over the time I've been more and more focused on less sharing the lifestyle um, and like personal vlogging and stuff. And more so trying to instruct and teach and help people with their own goals rather than focusing so much on mine. So, yeah, he's always been supportive. Um, he's a good partner. We run our businesses together, which, you know, sometimes he talks about work too often. But that's the only flaw I can think of.
0: (laughs) Which is kind of not even a flaw, but. (laughs) Yeah,
1: he's keeping us, he's keeping the business alive, basically.
0: (laughs) Just before we start wrapping up, I want to chat a little bit about Be More. So, when you started this, this is obviously really important for a lot of women and about your message behind it. Where did you come up with that? I don't
1: know exactly. I'm trying to think of like the time where I was like, Oh, be more. You know, I was definitely interested in bringing women together. And when we first like started saying be more, actually I said it in a video where I was like, you know, people always want you to be less, but I'm telling you right now, you should be more. Um, people like the world for women. A lot of times, even though I, I feel like this is changing, you know, historically, we've been told to, like, be smaller, be quieter, be more respectful, be more reserved, be more anything. It could be, like, be more sexy, be more modest. You know, people are always telling you to do something. I feel like people are often telling you what to do. And a lot of times that's not a service to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so be more really did come from originally, like, a size perspective. And that's talking about size. and. I think, you know, why would you be less when you can be more, like, why be small when you can be bigger? Like, that's also an option. You can be, you can have bigger muscles, They don't have to always be smaller. You don't have have to always shrink yourself. And so, you know, when it comes to thinking about your body and thinking about what the expectations are of your body, it doesn't have to be what someone else wants you to be. It can be the complete opposite if that's what you want. So I think that's where that really came from. And luckily it's been something that we've been able to help others connect with. And we had like a Be More coaching group and we got to like come together and women from all over the world got to meet each other and, and work together to be stronger. So yeah, that's, that's where it comes from.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great message. It obviously extends past someone just thinking about their body. You can even take like you, for example, if someone, you know, taking your message as like maybe you being too assertive. So, you know, be less assertive and all these things. It plays into so many roles into our lives and what other people think of what we should be doing. I thought it was just such a great message beyond just thinking about body image and how we view that Mm -hmm. for how we approach different aspects of our personality as well. Yeah. Thank you for saying it better than I did. <laughs> oh, where was I going? <laughs> I feel like it's a personal thing though, right? Like people would that being more could, be, could mean one thing to one person and it could be something special to another person. And there's like no right or wrong way to look at that message. I think it's just an important one for a lot of females especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, even in the past like – five or six years that
1: there have been so many changes and so many, so much more acceptance, hopefully. And that's great. And I feel like that's become much more commonplace to accept people for who they are and accept people for how they look and just be more open to, to everything. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Where do you see the next kind of year for you? I know people always ask you, are you going to compete again? Do you get tired of being asked <laughs> that? <laughs>
1: um, no, I don't. Because honestly, my—you know—I've moved. I went through a couple of big life changes. My um, my business is doing well. We have we're able to help so many people and get positive results from that. So that's been a huge focus of mine. So, right now, I don't have any plans. I do want to start a family, so I think competing will come after that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of the plan, just playing it by ear. And I think it's good for me since i've i'm I'm still grappling with some of the issues that we talked about. I think it's good to continue taking a step back and you know reevaluate when I feel ready. so I'm okay answering that question because I know a lot of people found me from that, but in the same, yeah. In the same breath, a lot of people have followed me in the past year and a half where they don't even know that I did that.
0: (laughs) Um, So yeah. And do you have anything that you want to, I guess kind of spook, do you want to kind of lead everyone somewhere? Obviously you're on Meg Squats on Instagram, Mm -hmm. but I know you obviously run your programs as well. Yeah, you can check me out on Instagram, Meg Squats and
1: YouTube. And yeah, I have my program Stronger By The Day. So it's a group training program. We have a ton of lifters in it and it's awesome. I run the same training protocol. I'd say if you're like an off-season power lifter, It could be fun for you if you're taking some time off from it or if you're just like an intermediate lifter could be great. Um, It's only $8 a month is the best part of it. And you get access to the community and you get to chat and meet new lifters, which is really our biggest focus is building a community and a place where people can talk about lifting and talk about all the Weird shit that happens when you lift and watch your body change and get stronger. Um, yeah, we have that there. That's all part of the group. So yeah, you can check it out. It's on StrongStrongFriends.com. Strong, strong, strong yeah,
0: day. I Actually, got some really positive reviews. I, I had a look at it the other day and just like typed it in, and there was some really great reviews from people. I mean, on Reddit. I know Reddit can be a bit oh, of nice. <laughs> a, a bit of a hellhole sometimes, but
1: <laughs> luckily, um, Reddit where someone has taken the time to review a program that they actually tried they have more educated opinion on me rather than someone who heard me say something stupid one time and then they're talking about it there.
0: Well, thank you so much for chatting to me. I really appreciate your time. I know you're super busy, so it was awesome to have you on.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me.
0: And that concludes my episode with Megan, guys. If you want to find her, like I mentioned, just head to the show notes. If you want to find us, you can find us on Instagram at Women's Strength Collective 2020, and you can find me at Beyonce. Otherwise, I'll see you guys next time.